0: From the virtual newsroom of Impact Alpha, this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, July 30th. I'm Monique Aiken. Today, I'm joined by Impact Alpha's David Bank. Hello, David.
1: Hi, Monique. Greetings from South Carolina, where I have family I know you do too. Um, I've been down here all week and I've met some fascinating people. I'm looking forward to sharing my conversation with one of them, a Miss Gardenia Simmons-White.
0: Well, I'm eager to meet her. And we'll also hear about Black Philanthropy Month, starting next week, from Renee Jaslin, founder of Philanthropy Unbound. But first, here's what you need to know from the week in impact investing. It was a big week for big climate funds. TPG rise, with help from former US Treasury Secretary Hank Paulson, raised $5.4 billion toward a targeted $7 billion in growth equity for ventures in clean energy, decarbonized transport, agriculture and natural solutions. Brookfield enlisted former Bank of England Governor Mark Carney to raise $7 billion on their way to a $12.5 billion fund to transform carbon-intensive businesses. Firms have already closed on more climate funds in 2021 than in the last five years combined. Another big private equity player, KKR, took a minority stake in Sol Systems, a community renewable energy platform in Washington, D.C. Sol's impact power purchase agreements link solar projects with community investment habitat restoration, and job creation. KKR is committing up to $1 billion for shovel-ready projects. And it's not just the big funds. In India, Sumanati is floating a green bond to help the country's farmer producer organizations adopt climate resilient farming practices. In Nigeria, Crossboundary is backing PowerGen to develop a network of more than two dozen mini grids to serve more than 50,000 people. And in Chile, the plant-based food producer NotCo raised $235 million for its plant-based alternatives to milk, ice cream, burgers, and mayonnaise. Companies and investors across Asia, Africa, and Latin America are finding competitive advantage in sustainability and ESG. A trio of guest posts on Impact Alpha explored the trends. Impact Alpha subscribers got all of these stories and more in their email each day this week. Hello, David. So, Tell us what's going on in South Carolina.
1: Well, Monique, your reconstruction podcast got me so fascinated by the history of the original reconstruction. And really the starting point of that is here in South Carolina's low with something called the Port Royal Experiment. So I've been down in Port Royal and the Sea Islands poking around a bit. It turns out it was only seven months after the beginning of the Civil War, November, 1861, the Union Army retook the Sea Islands and freed about 10,000 formerly enslaved people The plantation owners fled, the army took the land for non-payment of taxes, and they sold it uh, to the former enslaved people. Because of the isolation of the islands here, the the Gullah Geechee culture was quite strong, and the Port Royal Experiment created schools and hospitals. And the whole area really became a seedbed for kind of a multiracial economy. Um, you know, while the rest of the Civil War was still going on, the center of it was something called the Penn School on St. Helena Island. It's now called the Penn Center and it's really become one of the most important kind of touchstones of the whole of the whole era and the whole history. Um, we met a woman there named Miss Gardenia Simmons White uh, who was a student at the Penn School, one of the last class graduating classes there um, in 1952. Oh, we,
2: we call it sacred, we we call it, you're on holy ground, you're on sacred land, because this was where you had the very first school for the newly freed enslaved people, so they could get an education. Uh, you are at Penn Center, which, um, formerly Penn School, which was the very first school for the newly freed enslaved people. It started in 1862 by a Unitarian and a Quaker, they were abolitionists and they were sent by the Freedmen's Bureau to educate the newly freed enslaved people. Now, Penn School started in um, one of the uh, uh, sharecroppers' living room with nine students. When they outgrew that because the, everybody was thirsty for knowledge, they went to Brick Church, which was built in 1855, and that was the second part of Penn School.
1: Built by slaves? Enslaved it people. Was,
2: Brick Church was built by slaves, yes. 1855. We are in the center of St. Helena Island. So uh, uh, it's called a corner, you know, so this is where we are and everything is centralized
1: here. And St. Helena Island is part of the Sea Islands and the, part of the Gullah Geechee yeah. community. And the...
2: Okay, this is interesting because St. Helena Island was, you know, when the slaves were, it was predominantly African-American. There were about 10,000 African-American when the slaves were free. Now it's really mixed, you know. You have um, a multicultural people here on St. Helena Island. But um, here on this island, most of, our, of the black people own their own land. So um, we're still uh, independent and we're uh, self-sufficient and have businesses, et cetera. We have all of that here on St. Helena Island. So this is a good place to be.
1: What was interesting to me partly was that this area has made the reconstruction kind of the center of its tourist trade. A few years ago, Congress established the Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Corridor, which stretches from Wilmington, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida. And there's the Reconstruction Era National Historical Monument, basically a national park, which has offices both at the Penn Center and in Beaufort, South Carolina. Um, the big issue, of course, is still land and land ownership. And it's been chipped away for, from Black families for decades as you know, development and golf courses have taken over islands like Head. We
2: would not like to see that here on St Helena Island. We'd like to have input in what's going on with the property here. Uh, For instance, they're building another bridge at Hilton Head and they're displacing families who've been there for years. So these are the kinds of things that we ask for. That's how we're losing our property. So um, Penn Still is in the position of, um, they have a, a, a commission that they are talking about the land preservation still so a person can pay a small portion, but at least they will get their land, their land will be lost. So those are things that's being worked on right now. Seems like a very
0: powerful experience
2: to be there in person.
1: It, it really was, Monique. And um, the other thing that struck me was, you know, the Reconstruction survived longer in this area than um, in other many other places. There was um, really um, Black political power through, I think, about 1895 when the new Constitution was adopted and um, cut back voting rights, and and really, you know, the backlash, you know, was in full force by then. But it uh, really, was a an experiment,
0: and everything's new again with voting rights under pressure today. And as we think about our Reconstruction podcast, um, we spoke to Renee Joslin, the founder of Philanthropy Unbound, and it was Renee who introduced me to Black Philanthropy Month, as I mentioned at the top. The 10th anniversary of the celebration begins on Sunday. Renee and I talked about how philanthropy unbound can put humanity back into investing in all its forms. And the root word, um, and actually the meaning of philanthropy is really love of humankind. And so philanthropy needs to be unbound from this like premise that we've put on it that it's only mainstream large institutions that get to give love to humankind. Now, all of a sudden, like, people are having aha moments now, but what with, the, with this, uh, these aha moments, the opportunity now is to say, oh, I need to invest differently. I need to pay attention. I need to make sure that what I'm doing is comprehensive, and I need to make sure that it can actually support sustainable institutions and not just say, hey, I gave that organization a million dollars. So what? That's going to do it for your Impact Briefing this week more all day at impactalpha.com. Thank you, David. And thanks to our producer, Isaac Silk. Subscribe to get full access to the site and the daily brief. Right now, we're offering podcast listeners $100 off their first subscription. Go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and use the code briefing100. Thank you for listening. I'm Monique Aiken, Managing Director for TIP, the Investment Integration Project. Make sure to check back for next week's briefing, and until then, take care.